and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and have an in-depth discussion about it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the second album by Ian Sweet called Crush Crusher. It starts out with a song called Hiding. It's a second Ian Sweet record but it's really kind of a first solo project for Jillian Medford because they released their first album Shapeshifter with two other band members backing her up who she had met at Berklee College of Music and then they had some kind of a falling out and so she let them go right before she launched on a tour of Europe and is now playing with a couple of friends that she met met after moving to Los Angeles and those are the two who play on this album and she has said in interviews that it's just a much more positive vibe she feels more confident and she feels more creative control okay that's good to know I I remember seeing them in Austin I guess two years ago Mm -hmm. and yeah the band seemed a little weird I think I seem to remember the bassist was grabbing the spotlight a lot very showing off and so i'm i will look forward maybe to the opportunity to see them unfortunately they just finished up their west coast leg of their current tour so oops but based on the strength of this album i think that she's moving our songwriting in a very big direction was really excited to see this album come up it just came out uh i guess october 26 so we're catching it hot off the presses and it is uh you know i like this approach where there's a lot of layering and I think a lot of bands will start a song and like, Oh, we'll do some instrumentals where we kind of layer on the instrumentals. And I like here that it goes right into the verse and then the instrumentation just changes in the middle of the verse and changes in the middle of the chorus, like instruments get added and removed chord changes are happening, but it doesn't, you know, distract from sort of the business of this is a song. So it's sort of this very pop song structure while trying to be, you know, I think a little more experimental, a little more ambitious musically and so I, I appreciate that contrast. And speaking of contrast, the contrast between her voice in those verses where it's very high and kind of whispering almost, and then just letting it go loose in those booming choruses. And it's it's really fun. And the entire song has so much in it. It's less than three minutes. It's a great way to get started. Yeah, I, I think a lot of experimental sounding music can get it's it's too hard for me to pay attention to if there's no hook and there's no melodic through line and so i think this all works a nice balance between being sort of a noisy psych rock sound in a lot of places across the album but still having a chorus and a hook and her voice really ties it together yeah that i I, this 
I mean, the chorus is pretty just this one line repeated. Mm-hmm. So it's anchored in this really basic concept of like, I forgot myself in you. And mm-hmm. it's just the most relatable, most basic kind of basis for a song. And then to go in the, all these crazy directions sonically, it's a nice contrast. And it also sets up what I think is the theme of this record, which is how do you find your own identity without getting lost in other people, whether it's a romantic partner or your friends or just being codependent and too empathetic and just finding yourself dissolving. And she said in an interview that I read that she wrote a lot of these songs while she was still with her other band and kind of processing that and feeling like she wasn't able to assert herself and her own musical vision. Right, I like that kind of concept of a band breakup album. And <laughs> and I think that that sort of uh, looking with fear at, at the future and what, what comes next is maybe the, comes into the forefront of this next song. It's called Spit. recording these one of the things i do is just make down time time notes of like oh here's when the verses and choruses start and it's useful for kind of thinking about the song and i really struck me here what a binary pair these first two songs are and it's a great way to start the album because i think the timing is almost identical structurally but then they're just almost polar opposites both sonically where the first one was these kind of plaintive verses really booming choruses here it's this gangbuster verse and then this really kind of plaintive chorus and there the the choruses were like i'm losing myself in you and here's one of these like i'm you're gonna go and i'll lose myself in someone else and so it's a nice inversion and i think a good way of starting the album with that sort of being drawn between those two extremes i think what's most interesting about that i think that's a really good observation and what's most interesting about this this band is her voice and the way that she can be kind of quiet and pretty and then make it really squeaky and kind of loud and sharp. And the way that in, in both of these songs, her voice kind of gets lost in the instrumentals in different ways. But I think I I wouldn't have thought about that unless you put it that way. But the guitars sort of swallow her up in different ways on each of these songs. And, and she comes in and out of hiding almost. Well, like that first song title. Yeah, that she, I appreciate that it is, you know, very nearly a solo project, but you don't get that sense of ego. Like she's willing to push her voice to a place where it sounds kind of almost unpleasant, where Mm -hmm. it serves the song correctly and is willing to be swallowed by the other instruments where it makes sense. And there's just this swirl of guitars. I'd very much got kind of a shoegaze throwback Mm -hmm. here. And there's so many different, I think... It's anchored in the 90s, but not exclusively of that time, but it in the best way of like throwing back to good memories of that kind of just, yeah, the swirl of guitars and, you know, different amounts of stereo separation. But I think the drummer is, I appreciate just the little touches here. Like there's these little kind of just tapping yeah. that, that I, again, wear good headphones and you'll mm-hmm. suddenly pick up these things you don't get in your crappy earbuds because it's just these little touches and textures that bring out so much and just make it 
again, repeat listening is the answer here. And I think, you know, lyrically, these are very simple, but mm-hmm. the music musicality is... There's just, so many subtle touches that every time I listen to it, I hear something new. Yeah, nice little surprises. And, you know, things go in directions you don't expect. And I would, I think you don't expect it would maybe apply to the next song we're going to play. It's called Bug Museum. I'm giving my right hand You get what you always wanted I'm in deep for nothing You get something from out there is where so the song starts out with just her voice which is so great and the acoustic guitar and then you hear the drum machine come in and then live drums and the electric guitar and the bass and I really like the way that all those are layered on and it just kind of builds very slowly yeah I think it's here maybe that I'm starting to see they do have a bit of a pattern with the songwriting although it works really well and it's kind of nice for us Oftentimes we're like, where do we start in the song? Some, mm-hmm. And here it's just like, well, they get started right away. It's really easy to start at the beginning of the song with these. Although I do like here. And then the layering kind of comes in wherever. And this is, I think, the first one that's willing to hold back the wall of sound for mm-hmm. as long as it does for the full verse and chorus, which means it has that great impact. I There's even this synth that kind of hints around in the chorus. And it's so quiet and understated. And I just have to wonder how many people they're touring with because it it often feels like there's two or three different guitars there's this synth Mm -hmm. and you know if they record it as a trio that's fine you can multi-track but i'm curious how these songs play live Mm -hmm. and i'm now kicking myself even more for missing that show (laughs) and so this you know again it's just another heartbreaking thematically just that just throws it right at you from the start of just like I'm giving up everything and you're getting everything you want yeah I just I feel like lyrically this is the song that lays it out most clearly and that it starts out with the lyrics I'm giving my right hand you get what you always wanted and it just perfectly encapsulates that idea of being in a relationship where you're the one who's giving up everything and the other person just is just kind of doing whatever they feel like doing yeah but then that is so clear and then this just the image of the bug museum is so I, I, it's so evocative without me having really, I can't get my hand around it. Uh, as Your head around it? My hand or my head around <laughs> it. Now, that's how I understand things with my hands. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not afraid of bugs. So I, I think maybe it is supposed to be something scary. Well, and, and I 
you know, I think of the way like people with bug collections and they're all kind of pinned up and mm-hmm. just on display, but pinned down oh. is maybe a way to think about it. But again, I think I like that it's not an obvious and there's a lot of different things in it because there's that idea of like being scared of getting bit. So does the mm-hmm. bug museum have live insects that are going to bite you? I don't know. There's a lot going on and I like that it's a verse that lays it all out for you in really explicit terms and mm-hmm. then a chorus that is completely evocative without giving you a lot of hints as to what really is the point. And I like the way that this song has her, it's probably more than any of the other tracks, her voice is so front and center and you really hear all the little nuances of it and she, the way that she enunciates words and the way that she strikes this cadence that's a little bit off kilter from the rhythm and I I just really like her vocal delivery yeah although yeah I think it it is sort of the most even here there's the least kind of contrast between the verse and the chorus and the tempo is pretty even and it's in some ways sort of the most straightforward and I think I would contrast that with the songs we've heard earlier I would for sure contrast it with the next song we'll play it's called Question It stuff about how great it was that we could start at the beginning of these songs <laughs> where I turn around and play the end of one because I did want us to capture this way that a lot of the songs do have this kind of crazy instrumental jam freak out going on over the end of them and this was a particularly outstanding example of that on the album I think the notes I just said were and the drums explode mm-hmm. and the drummer really has a chance to shine here just going nuts uh, one well, thing I do like is while everything is exploding around what's happening is there's this just really quiet little guitar melody just kind of blunk, 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 super simplistic. I don't remember the exact melody, but I love that it's this really simple thing just underlying everything else. And again, good headphones. You mm-hmm. suddenly pick up on this little touch that I didn't pick up on for many lessons. And the production on this is all really interesting. It sounds like, for example, when these instruments sort of explode in this section and there are some other points too where it really sounds like it's being recorded in a huge warehouse or something there's a real spaciness to the sound especially the drums there's just a lot of reverb and it really gives it a great atmosphere yeah and i think this is a song where she does push her voice very much in kind of a squeaky almost whispered mode and i I mean even on their Bandcamp page they I clearly some interview or something and they just like dumped a review in there and it's just like, Oh, she, she's inspired by Bjork. And this is maybe yeah. one of the songs where there's a lot of that. And the sort of now, 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 now question it is even like, I think lyrically feels like it would not be out of place on a Bjork song, but musically it's this way noisier 
very much rockier kind of approach. And I think that sort of squeaky voice with this wall of sound also for me pulled sort of early blonde redhead albums, but like more melodic, like a poppier early blonde redhead, which I didn't think was a thing. And it's really a fun combo. And the beginning of the song starts out relatively conventional. It's kind of like verse, chorus, verse. It's her singing. And it's not it's not any more interesting than the other tracks. And then all of a sudden it just goes off the rails. And I think it's a really interesting Yeah, I, th- I think the only hint here is a lot of these songs are just verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And this is, I think, the first one where there's this prominent pre-chorus of the now, 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 now question it. And even that has this little head fake where it's like the guitar sort of hiccups and it's it it's giving you the sense of like okay this isn't as straightforward as we've been kind of hinting at and then you it pays off at that end of the song in a big way so the next song we'll play is the title track it's called crush crusher song was originally called driver's ed and it was about dating somebody who lived in la but didn't know how to drive a car and so what she was like driving this person to driver's lessons or driving lessons and she said it was she already knew that it was a relationship that wasn't gonna last and and so it was she decided to write a song about the ending while she was still in the relationship and she also elaborated on the title of this track and the record crush crusher is she thinks of a crush as more like hope and optimism about the future and so crush crusher is kind of like not letting yourself be optimistic and cutting things off cutting off that feeling because you don't want to be disappointed yeah i think it's a an interesting choice for naming the album and it i think this is one of the more kind of experimentally structured songs i i think it kind of gets into that though i like that there's this kind of verse chorus structure but the chorus felt so unsatisfying in a way that i wrote it down as pre-chorus because it's like you expect sort of verse pre-chorus verse pre-chorus chorus and then there's no it mm-hmm. keeps doing that cycle mm-hmm. and then the closest thing we have to a chorus is just an end where she just keeps going crush crusher crush crusher and it's spooky and it's not it's it's so unsatisfying and i think that's the point the combination of the sound of this drum machine and this very reverby sort of 90s sounding guitar it had an unsettling effect i thought and also just the way as you said the way the song is structured and her voice is so high and spacey it's just a very almost dissonant combination yeah well i, I was thinking that you know i talked about earlier it was so anchored in the 90s and here i thought that drum machine pulled me earlier and so I thought parts of it were very 80s and it had this kind of just really desolate feeling yeah and so it's pretty but just 
so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's, you know, it's right here in the middle of the album and it's the heart of the album and it's spooky and unsatisfying and it's very, it's intense. So the next song we're going to play is called Falling Fruit. This is maybe the most unhinged that uh, she lets her get her get her voice in that chorus where it's just seemingly at the verge of being out of control. And yet she just manages to stick the landing. And it is just, I think, a wonderful, a wonderful way to anchor this song. Which I think starts with something I had not heard before. Like I fell for you like fruit, mm-hmm. and that it's like falling for someone. And I, I've heard you know like sort of catastrophic falling or romantic falling, but here is just like this kind of overripe thing that just hits with a thud, and it's like the least romantic. <laughs> I also love the the weird guitar in here that reminded me so much of Modest Mouse and. Her voice on here is almost like a female Isaac Brock without just really kind of getting yawpy and strange. And I really like what she does with it. It it adds a lot to a song that I don't think would be that interesting otherwise. But she her delivery and those those kind of predictability of the drums and then that weird guitar. Yeah, this is the like you know, I, I I pointed out how the drums really dance. There was that entire song where it's just but drums explode. Here is maybe the steadiest beat on the song, although there, you know, there's a little bit of syncopation, but by comparison to a lot of the other songs, it's pretty straightforward. There's an instrumental section we don't play because it's just kind of steady beat and s- simple guitar for like half a minute. It's like, this is a weird... weird little vocals that you can't quite hear. Yeah, but I, that's what I like is that it's anchored in this really sturdy foundation that's mm-hmm. not as exciting, but then A, her unhinged vocals in the chorus, that weird hint of vocal that I don't know what's going on there, but it's there, and little just instrumental tweaks. There's like some sort of synth or guitar that's spooky as hell, but it's it's so hidden that I'll listen and like, I think it's there. Oh no, wait, I lost it. I think it's there, I lost it. And I again, that, that this album keeps us guessing, it doesn't give us what we expect ever. <laughs> So the penultimate track is called Ugly Slash Bored.
described that last uh, lyric about falling for you like fruit being not very romantic. And I think here is this, it's the second to last track of the album, but it feels very final, like this relationship just in its last gasps and all of the romance, all of the illusion is gone. And she is able to speak very bluntly and just say, here are the, here's the raw nature of our relationship and what does it mean? What it, I, I don't even know what this means to you. And you get the sense she's not even sure what it means to her. Well, in that, if you're framing it that way, it makes me think that maybe between with this being the penultimate track and then the last track is Your Arms Are Water, which is what we'll go out with, you almost think like this is the end of one relationship and then going immediately into the next relationship where you're where it's really beautiful and r- romantic and the it's a really melodic song and there's this image of like your arms envel- enveloping her but also drowning her. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a little bit of a uh, sort of a cliffhanger slash history repeating itself that, yeah, we're here where it's almost, fall, you know, again, like a, we started in a very poppy songwriting style. And by the end here, there's just a verse and a chorus. And then the song just kind of goes off the rails into this. I'm so ugly. I'm so bored. I'm so ugly. I'm so bored. And just this self-loathing and just saying to hell with it. Like, I'm not even going to finish this song. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just goes into just the repeating the question like what did this mean to you what did it mean to you and then just i'm gonna go crazy on the guitar for a while it's so nuts and i i enjoy that sort of subversion like we've had this expectation of well-structured songs and then this song just throws it all out the window and that's you know the entire album has been sort of establishing expectations and then one by one pulling the rug out from you like oh you thought you could expect this oh no you thought this is what this album was no and at every stage that's not the case and then he's only in this last song suddenly to bring it all back in this very lush very magical very poppy and catchy song and it's unsettling but also satisfying in a way Yeah, I I feel like it's an unsettling record made by someone who is in an unsettled place in her life. And she had recently moved from the East Coast to L.A. And she's has said that she's felt more able to kind of open up her songwriting and be more in touch with her artistic voice. And I feel like you really you feel that coming through here. There's a lot of experimentation and a lot of interesting vocals and a lot of just kind of trying some things where not all of it works but it's creative and it really feels like it it feels like a complete artistic vision yeah so again if you're on the west coast too bad you just missed them but they are bringing this music and the chance to see how the heck do they do these songs live i'm really curious to the east coast and then i think on to europe so if you have the chance check them out and This album is exciting. This is a band that has shown such growth and it's just really exciting to see in here. So we'll go out with the last track, which as I said, is called Your Arms Are Water. And we've been discussing Ian Sweet's second album, Crush Crusher, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 